0: Well, very good morning to everyone here at Gelang Evangelical Free Church. Hi, good morning. It was very pleasant. A uh, uh, surprise for me when I was just coming up that I suddenly realized that my secondary school uh, science teacher actually is a long-term member of your church, and I was so pleased to to see him. Hi, Mr. Ong. <laughs> Please pardon all the trouble I gave you last time. Well, as was mentioned. Uh, On behalf of zion bishan i just want to say hello to all of you Uh, i worship i grew up and have been worshiping in this church for 30 40 years already and uh and on behalf of this church we just want to say hello to you all uh we may not have any pre-existing real ties since we're on different denominations but because we all confess christ as lord and savior we are bound together in the same family and so if you don't mind since uh, you've seen them saying hi to you that's my church sanctuary uh, is it all right if I take a photo of you all? Uh, and then I will return your greeting uh, back to my family uh, in Zion, Bishan. Is that all right? So what I'll do is uh, I, I'll take a picture of this half, and then of this half, and then of the center. And uh, for those of you who are live stream, I'm sorry you can't join in, in this wonderful uh, moment. But uh, that's why we'd love to see you here next Sunday. So, so let me just quickly take a picture. Uh, could you say wave and say hi? Hello, wave. All right. And uh, this side. And in the middle, wave. Thank you, thank you. It's always a precious moment when two different congregations of the Lord uh, get to interact with each other. And that's the, the burden, I guess, of the blessing that I carry with me. Well, let's get into the God's word, shall we? Uh, but before that, let's prepare our hearts for the Lord to speak to us. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we ask that you open our ears to hear your heartbeat for the nations. That all things that you had created, you seek to redeem and to restore unto yourself. So impress these things upon our hearts. Let your word come alive in us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I understand that you're And I celebrate that you're a church that really wants to go deep into God's Word. So please uh, get your Bibles ready. Uh, I'm not sure what your Bible reading or Bible study habits are here. Uh, But let me just say this, at least as I've experienced it. We often read the Bible starting from the beginning, right, from Genesis. But perhaps we should also start to read it from the end. It's like the way you would plan for a birthday party. You've got a picture in your mind of what it will look like on that great day. And then you plan and work towards what that day will be like. Everything that you do makes sense in the light of that final day, that celebration. So we should ask ourselves, what does God have in mind for that final day, that ultimate final day? And God's word gives us various pictures about the end. But there's one picture that I wish to share with you in particular, and that is called a city of light. A city of light. Please turn with me to this passage in Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, and uh, maybe I should just read it for us all from verse 1 to 11. Revelation 21, verses 1 to 11, and then verses 22 And I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulphur, which is the second death. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, radiant like the most prayer jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And then I go on further down to verse 22, reading to verse 27. And I saw no temple in this city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is the word of the Lord. And we read of a new heaven and a new earth. Which is going to replace the old heaven and the old earth. And the central to that vision of the new heaven and the new earth is this holy city, New Jerusalem. This is what catches the attention of John, who wrote this for us. The New Jerusalem. It's a huge place, it can take loads of people. And it's situated on a mountain, just as Jerusalem was on Mount Zion. And on a side note, since I worship at Mount Zion Zion Bishan, I always get excited when I read about such things in Scripture. Because Zion is both a mountain, but it also symbolizes the city of our God. This city is glorious because the light of God fills the whole place. It's full of light. Nothing can be kept in the dark. Nothing needs to be. Indeed, it's cubic shape. Try to imagine a city that is cubic shape. Okay, that means that it corresponds to the most holy place of the temple of God. This is a holy city. Nothing wicked will be admitted because this is where God dwells with His people. And that is amazing because the holy place of the first temple used to be out of bounds to ordinary folks like you. But this new Jerusalem is a transformed holy place inhabited by a transformed holy people and every corner of this city is filled with the very presence of god and the people who live there will not grieve anymore god will wipe away their tears this is a life-giving city no one will be thirsty for anything there is no death no COVID. and know this This is also to find a cosmopolitan city. The nations and the kings of the world will bring their glory into it and make this place rich with diversity. This is like what it was in the Garden of Eden, actually. Except this time, Eden has spread out across the earth. And this, dear brothers and sisters, is what God envisions as the climax of His mission. His mission. And I find it so interesting that God uses a city to reveal the end game of his mission. It gives you and I a lot to think about concerning today's cities. So I ask you, Singapore, are we like this new Jerusalem city? Because we could be one this kind of city, but scripture also shows us an opposite kind of city. I call it the dark city. Babylon for short. This is everything that is not the New Jerusalem. This city represents the world that is set against God's purposes, against God's vision for life. If you thought that the dark side of today's cities are money, sex, and power, well, Babylon had all of these. Babylon shows up time and again if, if you know your scriptures. The first time we actually read about it is in Genesis 11, Babel. And this Tower of Babel symbolized man-made ambition. The ones who built this city wanted to rise up and touch the heavens and be like God. Later on in the book of Daniel, we read of one of the greatest kings of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. And he was full of that Babel spirit of self-glory. He even built a giant statue for himself, you know. And demanded that all his subjects worship it. In other words, worship Himla. And then there's this interesting note in Daniel chapter 4, verse 27, where the prophet Daniel tries to wake up his king's idea. He says, O king, break off your sins by practicing righteousness, and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. So suddenly we discover that Babylon's dark glory was built on the oppression of the poor. And then here in the book of Revelations, just a few chapters earlier from 21, we read of Babylon, the great dark city. This place uh, is a haunt. Forest. It is infested by unclean beasts. But then, see how this, next, this dark city is described next. They use the language of business and commerce. Babylon's beastliness is shown up in its obsession with making money and in living luxuriously. It's not that wealth creation is a bad thing, but here you find a rampant godless spirit of chasing wealth for oneself rather than for true human flourishing. We know this because Babylon traded in slaves. People here were treated as commercial items things to be bought and sold and consumed. Babylon, this dark city, infected others with sexual immorality, which we can take literally, but also figuratively as a metaphor for unfaithfulness to God. This is a godless, unholy city, the anti-New Jerusalem, and it's doomed for judgment and destruction. Why does it matter to us? Because, perhaps you'll pardon me if I say this, in Babylon. Don't get me wrong, okay? I love my city-state of Singapore. I've been a civil servant for a good number of years. And I still serve her through national service and pay my taxes. But don't tell me that we are not short of Babylonian characteristics. Don't tell me that you have not seen the spirit of Babylon brooding in the streets, the shadows of our streets, and flashed out on our screen. I remember once standing in a large lawn of the cathedral at City Hall. You stand there, right, you look all around you, you will see the altars that we have erected to worship the gods of money, sex and power and all forms of indulgence. I once asked a very prominent urban planner in Singapore, could you tell me, how do you figure out what is the god of a particular city? You know what his answer was? He said, oh, that's very simple. Just look for the tallest structure in the city, and you'll know what they worship. You'll know what their God is. And yet, here in Singapore, we may even trample on the rights and well-being of others so that we can chase after our own dreams and pleasures. Do you know that exploitation and human trafficking, including sex trafficking, is a problem in our city? And Perhaps you should know this very well since you have supported ministries like Hagar, Yes, in Babylon, but we live here as exiles. Our heart is for the New Jerusalem city. And as the Church, you and I are the New Jerusalem people. We are representatives of this holy city that is to come. We are witnesses of the King who dwells and reigns in that city. In the dark city, we are the light, and our task it's twofold. First, our commission. Our commission is to live as sojourners and exiles. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 reminds us, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, beloved, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, that when they speak against you as evil doers, they may see your good deeds, and glorify God on the day of visitation. You and I don't really belong here. But people should see that our citizenship is of another city-state, and that you and I are headed there. And they should hear us inviting them. Won't you come along with me? That's evangelism. This is how we should live and understand ourselves. Second, our challenge. Our challenge is to answer this question. How will the people of Babylon City come to hear of the new Jerusalem? And I tell you, we the church will fail this challenge if we do not address three problems. Three problems. The first problem is when the church behaves like a walled city. Like a walled city. You know, in 1964, a young Chinese lady in Singapore named Kate Chia. She worships now at Bethesda Franco Estate, if I remember correctly. This young lady, Kate Chia, packed her bags and then she went to serve refugees from China who lived in the walled city of Kowloon in Hong Kong. Anybody remember that place? The walled city of Kowloon was known for being a dangerous place. Even the police don't dare to go inside. Crossed their wall to live with the people there teaching the women and children refugees. But we hear from the church, sometimes we hold ourselves up behind walls. And then once in a while, we let down a drawbridge for Bible studies and Sunday worship, and then we keep people out at all other times. When we should always be living, looking outwards, saying that there is space, there is space here in the New Jerusalem that must be filled. You know, sometimes when i walk to my church in bishan street 13 and i walk into the gate i always wonder why will our neighbors think of us what do they think of us are we like a walled city a country club or a welcoming community second the second problem is when our witness is not whole we must recognize that we are witnesses for christ not just when we gather here as the church But whenever we are scattered about the whole city, for work, for school, at home, and even on social media, our Christian witness is 24-7. And Singapore is a global city, you know. We employ thousands from abroad as domestic helpers, construction workers, IT specialists, managers. And many of these people settle here as permanent residents. When I was in National Service, I've seen many NS men with Japanese names, Polish names, and what have you. For all you know, your colleagues, your clients, your employees, your bosses may come from nations that are tremendously unreached, where they've never heard of Christ. Will they see Christ in you? And will you notice what God is doing in their lives? And for all of us who are very active on social media, how many others are listening and watching to everything that you have to post on Tiktok or Twitter? What would they think of your profession of faith? We are witnesses for Christ 24-7, online and offline. We are a city on a hill, and our witness must combine both good news and good works. Together, good news and good works make for good light in a dark city. We must proclaim, the good news that Jesus saves. And we pray that our lives will reflect the transformation that Jesus brings about. That we are people who belong to a very different kind of city. We don't strive for money, sex and power. We oppose the spirit of oppressing others. And we actively work for the true freedom of all. We strive for what is holy and good and what really makes for the peace of the city. Wherever darkness, we bring light. We are a curiously different sort of people because we have been saved. And New words. We should live in the kingdom of God in such a way that it provokes questions for which the gospel is the answer. And I pray that when we have an opportunity to share about Jesus and the salvation that He brings. We are ready to answer. This all doesn't yet address the third problem. Okay? The third problem. And that is when our neighborhood is too small. Too small. What do I mean by this? If we kept to our usual circle of friends, if we hung out only with those in Geylang EFC, or if we only just looked at our neighborhood uh, just within the few blocks from Emmanuel House. We may become cut off blind to other communities in our city that are outside of the church. We may miss out on where the victims of Babylon are and have no contact with the marginalized and the oppressed. Let me ask you, how many of you have been to where the migrant worker community live? Have you been to Bangla Square and met the Bangladeshis and other South Asians? Who find that place a home away from home or the migrant workers from china who hang out not just in the dormitories but even here in gelang have you sat down with them and had a good conversation how likely are you to have even one of them at your social media contact they are the marginalized brought here to do the jobs that we would not do ourselves and most of these people don't know of jesus and they are right here in our midst. But they will never hear of Christ and experience His love if we do not go and extend our idea of neighbourhood to include them. But we do thank God that there are Christian values-based ministries like uh, HealthServe and Migrant XME and others who are helping to bridge the gap. And there are other marginalised peoples You know, have you walked the streets further down Geylang, where the sex workers do their trade? Have you met the victims of human traffickers? Have you wondered that some of these street ladies came not by choice, but coercion? And regardless, would Jesus be found in such a place? There are ministries that are reaching out to these people, including uh, Tamar Village, that seeks to restore these women and children with the love of Christ, and even right now i'm in correspondence with a former hiv nurse who's seeking to provide a shelter to care for transgender sex workers with the love of christ what about those from a different social economic class you know the recent results of the singapore population census that was released in 2020 it has confirmed what many of us have been sensing all the while that we the church are underrepresented among the less educated and less well An upper middle-class church like Zion Bishan or maybe Geylang EFC, I don't know. We need to seriously ask ourselves how we can help all sorts of people to truly be welcomed into our family. And if need be, to go to where they are, to their neighborhood, even to live among them. Because if such people will never get to come to church on their own accord, then surely the church has to go to them. We must learn to be a church at the fringes of society. So take, for example, the Trolley Ministry to the Homeless, which was started by Youth with, with a Mission, YWAM, Christian Mission Organization. They used to go out late at night to visit the homeless, in Jalan Bisa and elsewhere. Their volunteers previously used to come at this night or that night, almost like tourists. Lah. But now this ministry has learned to go deep. Any one of their volunteers must sign up for a minimum commitment of a few months so that they learn to build deep relationships with the destitute. It means more work, more effort, but that's really what it takes to love our neighbors. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us isn't it he came to dwell amongst us he was as different from us as could be and yet he came to dwell among us in light into our darkness so that he may bring us to the new Jerusalem city making sure that no one is missed out that all may drink of the water of life even if you are at the margins so, I've got a special word for some of you who are, consider yourselves young. You know, before you really get caught up with work and family responsibilities, maybe you are just about to graduate and finish school and enter into a new chapter of life. You know, instead of a grad trip, now I've got a lot of VTLs, so I can travel a lot. Huh? Instead of a grad trip, how about giving a few months to a God adventure Take the time to go to the places in Singapore or other cities, not for leisure purely, but to pursue God's heart for the last, the lost, and the least. And to everyone, may I encourage you all, as fellow sojourners and exiles who are looking forward to that new Jerusalem city, shall we live our lives every day demonstrating that we belong to the new Jerusalem, and that we would go to any corner of our own city so that others may experience the love of Christ and join us on the road to the new Jerusalem. And perhaps, perhaps, as we do this, this very city that we live in will slowly be transformed, becoming less and less like Babylon and more and more like the new Jerusalem because the church has awakened a shining city on a hill. That's my hope for the church in Singapore. and That's my prayer for you all here in Gelang EFC. If we can overcome the three problems I described earlier, we may even look out to the cities of the world. You know, we are Singaporeans. We have tremendous opportunities to go abroad. We have one of the most welcome passports in the world. Most of us speak English which is by far the most popular second language learned in the world. We are a young nation with no history of bad blood with other nations, compared to many others. Think about the cities you would normally visit in the course of your lives. Global cities like Tokyo, regional cities for business or holiday or to visit family, or university cities like Cambridge for study. Think about these kind of cities. But there are two types of cities that I would like to highlight. They could be cities that you normally go, but cities that you normally wouldn't have thought of going. The first are the cities with no church. Overwhelmingly non-Christian. It just takes a little bit of research for you to find out how much light any given city has in it. And some of these cities are special too because they attract people from other places where there is no community of Jesus followers. So all of you who are or will be studying abroad or maybe going overseas for a work assignment, take note. Go and see what's going on in your city. The second kind of city are the cities of tragedy. Cities that are struck by divides between those who have and those who have not. Those who are struck by natural or man-made disasters. I can never forget when I was a teenager, I was walking in the wee hours of the morning uh, on a short-term missions trip somewhere in Calcutta. And I saw in the early hours of the morning, countless people sleeping out on Bipin Bahari Ganguly Street in Kolkata knowing that in a very few hours, these people lying on the streets will wake up, wash up at some nearby tap, and then you will just go to work. And you will come back to that same spot on the street later that night. Or the stories of thousands upon thousands of refugees in Cox's Bazaar in Bangladesh. The Rohingya who have fled their homeland in Myanmar to escape genocide. Or how about Kiev right now? So many of these problems are due to the spirit of Babylon that has run amok in this world. Are you and I prepared to cross over and plunge ourselves into the world of human tragedy and misery and to walk among the victims of Babylon? Because if we do not, I don't see how the Great Commission will be fulfilled. And the truth is that missions is hard work. It's not easy because of where you go. I think of a pastor friend of mine who serves in Tokyo. He was for many years seen as an outsider, a gaijin, a foreigner. For many years, before he was accepted by the Japanese and became the only Singaporean pastor I know of, of a Japanese church. I think of Rainier Chu, a former tax lawyer who was mentored by the Navigators and has spent years with his wife doing church planting among the slums in the cities of the philippines he lives among the ones he serves it is hard work and of course i think of those currently serving in the field like the habibi team in northern iraq many of you are familiar with a church member who is there you've got church members who are serving in the field office here in singapore and the Habibi team is working hard among the Yazidis who got forced out of their homelands by ISIS seven, eight years ago. We are there to help rebuild their community and offer hope and a future in Jesus' name. Funny that I should say in Jesus' name because most Yazidi f- families have not heard the name of Jesus or met Jesus' followers in over a thousand years. Think about that. And now God has opened the door to go work in a field that is hungry for the gospel. This is laborious work, but by God's grace, the work that gives life. At this point, you may be wondering, what about Mila? What about you? Which city or which neighborhood should you go to? Are you even called to go? And what do I do when I go? My dear friends, The first business before you get going for Jesus is that you must get real with God and let God's Spirit root out any any sense of Babylon in our hearts. Get going means that we get real. Getting real with God's call on our lives. To start thinking God's thoughts. To feel the same matters that are on God's heart and to discern what God has been already at work doing and just joining God in it if we want to be involved in missions we need first a revolution in our prayer life so that we will open ourselves up to let God do his work in us we make ourselves available to the Lord Lord where would you have me go what would you have me do what's your call on my life. When I was a youth many years ago, people used to describe the culture of Singapore as chasing after the five Cs. Cash, credit card, condo, car. Yeah, now you know how old school I am when you hear these things. But this speaks of the pragmatic and materialist culture of one of the richest nations of the world. And I could add two more Cs. Comfort and convenience. Doesn't all this sound like Babylon to you? But you and I have heard the summons of King Jesus to follow him. We have come to grips with the reality of God once of us all. The call of Jesus to fix our eyes on the new Jerusalem. You and I have caught the vision of this coming city. And in this city... The five C's of kingdom culture are charity, which is love, compassion, courage, conviction, and yes, the fiction. You and I reckon ourselves crucified with Christ. We no longer live the life of Babylon, but Christ lives in us. And we commit ourselves first to live like Jesus did, And then we follow him in spending our lives on others, for God, so that others may experience the love of God, and live. Let me close with a short testimony. This is the testimony of Heidi, which is uh, a young lady who quit a job in the public service and decided to go and serve God. In northern Iraq through Habibi. And she shared a testimony on thirst, uh, which was released last year. And let me just read a portion of that testimony for you all. She wrote After seeking God and speaking to others about it, I decided that God was more important. I decided to tender my resignation to serve refugees full time. People commented, this is all such a brave thing to do, especially in that part of the world and at this moment in time. But honestly, I have never felt particularly courageous. Perhaps it is a grace that God has given to me, but it is also simply a response to His heart that yearns for reconciliation and shalom in this messy world. Beyond this, it has also been the greatest joy and privilege to be part of this work, using the skills that I have been trained in. There was really no spectacular encounter or life crisis that sparked it. Rather, it was simply nights spent before God in surrender, and a series of yeses to Him over many years. I used to always ask God where to go and what to do, until He said, to ask Him what He is doing, and then just be a part of it. I used to agonize over what He wanted me to do and what His will was for me, until one day He told me, just delight yourself in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart. Not the object of your desires, but I will put my desires in your heart. So that's what I did. That's what she did. She flew off last year in October, if I recall correctly, to Iraq to continue this work full-time. And her story, as with all the other stories that I've shared today, are all founded on that glorious hope of the new Jerusalem, that city that will be filled with people from all nations, giving life and healing to all. And to this one hope we press on. Would you join me now in turning to the Lord in prayer? And I see before me right now, you know, young and old, people of all ages. I want to tell you, nobody is too young and nobody is too old to be on mission for God. God is in the expert business of custom tailoring work for each one of us according to how He has gifted us what we need to do is to get real with Him. So Father, Lord, I, I just remember the words that Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. That's how Jesus sent out His disciples those many years ago. And that's how you are continuing to work even today. I pray for My brethren here, that you would encounter them as they get real with you. Make them faithful in their generation, O God. And let your light shine out from here. We pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.